Welcome to the Realizing Genius Podcast. I'm your host, Heidi Christensen. This is where we dive in each week to chat about parenting, education, and realizing our children's genius. I'm an educator with a background in individualizing learning, and I'm obsessed with helping people find and nurture that genius in their children and themselves. Let's dive in. Hi, geniuses. Today I have Kimberly gone with me. And Kimberly, I'm so grateful that you're here today. I'm happy to be here. I'm super excited. We just jive on so many levels. I'm happy to be talking with you. Yeah, we were talking and we found out that you are a rebel. <laughs> you could say that. <laughs> no, I'm, I just love the fact you went to college, you went to the university to get your teaching credential, and you figured out that it wasn't going to work. Can you can you tell us a little bit about that background and um, how you got involved in alternative education? Because normally people get their teaching credential, go through all of that, and they come out totally like they are just so into it and they're ready to sell it to everybody. And it, it turns you the other way. So I want to hear about this. Well, I will try to keep my speech a little bit more on the politically correct side so as not to get offended and or banned from anything. But yes, you're right. If I, if I think about some of the other individuals that I went to teacher's college with, a lot of them, yeah, are very much, I don't want to say progressively thinking, but that's kind of where I'm going with that. And they're just, yeah, they're very much on board with like, this is the way to go. This is how we do things. So I can definitely relate to you when you say that. For me, yeah, I always wanted to be a teacher from like a very little girl. My dad actually inspired that in me because he was a teacher when he was younger, not a teacher in a public school. Ironically, he was an alternative educator in finance, teaching people how to save money, get out of debt, using investments and, and the smart ways of doing things, Right. And so I always had the, I always, I grew up with the teaching sort of mentality, um, but because of how my dad was, he, math was a really big thing. He always taught me, you know, how to do math. Um, and so a lot of that uh, came, a lot of the inspiration for, for star students and for my own teaching philosophy um, comes from my father, um, which I'm, I'm very grateful for, for sure. Yeah, I went to teacher's college because when you want to be a teacher, what else do you do other than go to teacher's college? <laughs> so I went to go to university actually first to get my credentials to be an English and a history teacher in high school. So I did uh, a double major in English and history and then a minor in sociology. Um, and even to this day, um, I am fascinated by sociology. I always have to know why somebody behaves the way that they do, <laughs> sometimes to the point of my own detriment, because it's like, well, they just are that way. You just have to accept it, right? But yeah, so I went and did my BA uh, to do my undergrad, and then that was four years, and I went to go do my two years for teacher's college to get my teaching credential. And it was at the beginning of teacher's college that I really... I want to say got a slap in the face. <laughs> I got a reality check of what teaching really was like. In teacher's college, in my experience of, of the teacher's college that I went to, which was a pretty, a fairly prominent one in, in Ontario. I went to a teacher's college in Toronto, Ontario, and in Canada. And it was very much taught from a framework of there's one perspective or two perspectives, two frameworks that you must teach from. 
you have to uh, make sure that you're um, incorporating and that you're basing your perspectives always from these perspectives. You always have to make sure that you're coming from this perspective. To me, because I grew up with a dad who you know, was very much alternatively minded, he was always saying for us to question everything. So to me, teaching something from one perspective or from two perspectives didn't make sense to me because I was like, well, why are we teaching from this perspective? And this was to students who are younger. These are to kids who kids who are for the most part under under 18, between the ages of, you know, 13 and 18, because that's high school. And it just didn't, it didn't jive with me. It didn't sit well with me. I'm actually to this day, <laughs> I've been out of teacher's college um, since 2020. So going on four years now. And I was known as through, throughout the teacher's college, I was known as the girl who disagrees with everything because of the fact that I can, like, I'm not kidding. Somebody else actually said this to me. Like, like it was at the end of second year, I happened to be in a professor's office and other people kind of were having a side conversation and, and I'm, I'm the girl who disagrees with everything because I was always bringing up the alternative perspectives. But to me, that was something that was normal because especially as educators, especially as teachers, are we not supposed to guide students to be able to think for themselves? Why are we telling them how to think? We shouldn't be doing that. that that's, not, that's not our job. That's not anybody's job, really. Your job is not to tell someone what to think. It's to teach them how to think. And especially as an educator, that to me was a very dangerous, very dangerous perspective. Um, so that that's one. I mean, I have lots of reasons, but that's the main reason um, why when I graduated in 2020, um, I stepped outside of the system. I said, no, I, I can't do this. I cannot start my career on this foot. I, mean, I can't do it because I will... And, and I mean, I would have probably been fired by now if I'd gone into the public school system. I probably would not have a job at this point because I'm not a person who takes things and doesn't say anything if I don't agree with something, right? However, that's not really approved of in a lot of aspects. Um, when it comes to uh, teaching, when it comes to that sort of environment, you're very controlled as to what you're allowed to say, uh, what you're allowed to do, even to the point of what you post on social media or how your family's involved. And I just wasn't having it. I just wasn't having it. I morally and ethically just couldn't do it. Yeah, I, I, I totally, totally understand. When I finished my bachelor's degree, I, mm -hmm. I knew I wanted to teach, but I was like, there is no way I'm going to teach these crazy kids. And so I went, <laughs> I went on and got my master's degree so I could teach at the community college level. And I had a teaching assistantship. And so I was teaching at the university level while I was getting my master's. And that was my first slap in the face. All of my students got pretty good grades. And I got called into the office because I gave too many good grades. I mean, and I was like, I was told I was supposed to have all of my students were supposed to fall into a bell curve. And I was teaching a lab class. And so they were also in a, a lecture class. And I asked the head of our department, I said, okay, did my kids do better in the lecture class than the other kids? Because there were a couple different lab classes going to the same one. And she said, well, yes, in, in fact, they did. And I'm like, well, heck, I'm not changing anything I'm doing. My job is to teach them not to make sure they're on a bell curve. Yeah. 
my job is to make sure that they are in, they are hopefully reaching their full potential or at least realizing some of their potential. I'm going to do that to the best of my ability with the students that I have. Don't tell me what I need to do in terms of grades and and making an average look proper and and all that stuff. Yeah, the the paperwork and the administration totally totally understand where you're coming from with that one. Yeah. That that was just I I I just I I couldn't believe that she would say that. that yeah, was I just I don't blame you. I don't blame you. I would have I probably would not have been as polite <laughs> as I <laughs> as I bet you were. Yeah, I've I've never really been one to to if someone said like if someone says something that does that doesn't resonate with me or that I have questions about, I mean I will be respectful, but I'm gonna say something about it. I'm not a person yeah. to just let it slide. So many times, you know, like I'm like, just don't say anything. And I'm like, I just find it funny how, <laughs> right? That's how I start a lot of conversations these days. <laughs> yeah. Or don't you think it's curious that, right? I find it's better when you pose things as a question because it makes people think, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. definitely. Especially with definitely. Students. Yeah. Yeah. I actually did get my teaching credential eventually. It was like after what, like, 15 years of homeschooling. So wow, that takes a lot of guts. Good for you. That's awesome. Yeah. It was interesting though. I did it in an alternative way. I was all online and mm-hmm. I had a job as a teacher for a homeschool charter school here in California. And so I, I got to do it, you know, in a very creative way. I was very grateful for that. But one of my favorite assignments was they asked me to write a paper about how you would deal with a challenge of not having grades to inspire your students to learn. <laughs> I, I I was like, oh, that was my favorite paper because it was like, I do that all the time. I mean, yes. you inspire them to learn. I mean, how do you inspire your students to learn? Well, there's a variety of different ways that you can inspire kids to learn. Something that I will say, actually, just as of this past, actually, as of these past couple weeks. So there's a there that one of the families that we're working with, we have we have one of their children who is five. Actually, I'm sorry. Now she's six. She was five when she started with us. And she has a younger sister. Her younger sister is three years old. Okay, three. She has started, she's three, and she started expressing with no formal, quote unquote, education, no nothing. She started expressing an interest in learning how to read. And this morning, or yeah, this morning, when I was sitting there teaching this child, and, and we were actually, we were doing math today. But when I was sitting there teaching this child, her younger sister stood there the entire 30 minutes. A three-year-old stood there for the entire 30 minutes and paid attention to what was on the screen. And I can see them because they are on my computer screen and I can see what they're doing. The both of them were very engaged, very involved. So one thing that I would say in terms of inspiring students to learn, it definitely is a home environment thing as well. Yeah, It's not just the actual teacher, right? I mean, I could go on about making sure that you have personalized curriculum and making sure that you cater the learning methods um, and all of that stuff. But one of the thing, one of the biggest factors I find that come that comes from the home is the parents themselves and the other siblings themselves. If education, and I mean education for the sense of learning, not mm-hmm. education for the sense of an objective, right? If education for the sense of learning is is a priority, that 
carries down from the parents to the kids. Yeah. Yeah. No parents having that priority of education and expressing that and modeling that for your kids as a parent is mm-hmm. really important. One of the things with with my five boys, what I found is that home environment, that family environment definitely made a huge difference. Uh, my first four boys were uh, born within five years. It helps when you throw twins into the mix. But okay, um, I, was, I was trying to figure out the math there. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute. Okay. Yeah. Five boys in five years. Wow. No, no, no four boys in five oh, years. Four, okay. Four yeah, boys my first in five four. Years. Okay. And okay. then I waited Makes another sense. seven and a half years to have my youngest. But right. the first the first four boys, I mean, because they were so close in age, they were there was a lot of healthy competition. And as mm-hmm. a parent, I had to make sure it stayed healthy because otherwise, yeah. I of mean, course. Yeah. You can imagine all the testosterone in our in our home. <laughs> I didn't want it to be, you know, the have a wrestling match on, you know, who was better at at math or cursive or whatever. But, but that healthy competition and my fourth son, he was constantly, okay, oh, big brother's doing this. And, oh, you know, I got to do this. I mean, I swear he walked at seven months old and I think it was just to, you know, keep up with his brothers because he saw all of his big brothers doing it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. My fifth, my fifth son also walked at seven months old. So I don't know if that's a. (laughs) <laughs> trend or what it's, a, it's it's a pattern it's a repeating pattern <laughs> yes but seeing those older siblings and doing it together and having it be a family thing it I, I really think it's a lot of fun and you know what you witnessed mm-hmm. with those two siblings it's it's definitely something that is it's just homeschool wide I mean it is that that is something that it's a lifestyle of learning that you can find in almost every single homeschool family, you know, if they are yes. traditional homeschoolers, because uh, there are families who bring the traditional classroom home. And yes. I found that many times that can cause some problems. Um, I would agree. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, yeah. And that's not to say that's not to say that the curriculum itself, right, is not something that is of value. Obviously, you want to be able to teach your child basic math, you want to be able to focus on basic literacy, you do want your children to be well spoken, you do want them to be able to solve like to critically think and solve problems. So, it's not to say that the problem is necessarily with the curriculum, although, you know, that's a bit of a different conversation. The academics of the curriculum is not the issue when you quote unquote, bring school home. It's when you bring the environment of the traditional learning classroom to your kitchen table or to your school room or your, to your house or where, however you're setting up your homeschool environment. Right. I think that's a really important thing that a lot of parents overlook perhaps when they first start, especially because they get this idea because when we are traditionally schooled, that's what we know. So we think, okay, well, we'll just bring it home. I'll just do it myself. Well, yes, you can just do it yourself, but don't do it the same way that the traditional education system does it because isn't that the whole point of taking your children out of school, right? Out of the traditional public school so that you can offer them something better. You can offer them something different and you can offer something that they're excited about. You don't do that bringing the classroom home to your kitchen table. Yeah. 
as a teacher, I was working with a lot of high schoolers and mm-hmm. their parents would say, well, in school, they'd be doing math for a, an hour and English for an hour. And they'd want to set up that same schedule for their students. And it, it, they fought back. I have I have something quite important to say about this topic. And it was when I was talking actually to a retired teacher friend of mine who actually stepped out of the system. She's much older than I am because she's retired at this point, but she stepped out of the system early um, because of a lot of the things that were going on that she didn't agree with. And so she had the opportunity, she had the ability to step out. And so she did. So kudos to her. Congratulations. That's not everybody's story, but for her, that's what she got to be able to do. So her and I were chatting the other day and she said to me, she was asking about the homeschooling program we run and how we do things and, and how do we ensure that the kids get enough uh, time, right. With, with each subject and, and whatnot. And so explain to her the timings that we do, et cetera. And, you know, like they're, if they have independent learning assignments, that's their choice. We all, we don't ever assign homework. We call it extracurricular bonus academics because if they want to be able to work on them, which a lot of the time they do because they're excited about a project or whatever they're working on, then they can. But if they don't want to, then there's no pressure because they're doing other things outside of school as well. But this friend and I were chatting and she said to me, you know, she said, I added up all of the, not wasted time, but all of the extra time that as a teacher during the day I spend with like extracurriculars with classroom management with of course you factor in recess you factor in the nutrition breaks whatever else goes on right she said when I factored it down to the actual learning time that was given in the classroom total for all subjects I was only teaching are you ready for this I was only teaching for two and a half hours a day that's it. I believe and it. She said, and she said, oh, she said, what a coincidence that your program runs for two and a half hours per class. <laughs> and I said, oh, <laughs> it's like a little birdie just told me that was the right time to do. <laughs> yeah. So that was, that was something that was really interesting to me. But I mean, from my own experience, I, by no means do I have a retired teacher's experience, but from my own experience within the classroom, I would say that that's pretty accurate because as a teacher, you spend so much time doing other things other than actually teaching and or encouraging students to learn on their own or whatever they might be doing you only actually get two and a half hours of learning time and or direct instruction yeah I'll never forget when I first started homeschooling my mom was a nanny for this little boy that was the same age as my twins and Mm -hmm. so we did a lot of things together just because we had you know, all of these kids that were the same age. And of course, yeah. And so I started homeschooling. He started kindergarten in a traditional school because that's what his parents knew and, and wanted for him. And he would come over to our house afterwards. And I, I just asked him, I said, you know, Hey, you know, Robbie, what did you do in school today? And he said, stood in line and raised my hand. And that's, that's all that he could remember, because it was Mm -hmm. all about waiting for the other kids. He was a real bright kid. 
And meanwhile, my kids are say, telling him, oh, we studied about, you know, Egyptian mummies and all of these yeah. things. And yeah. he was, he, he went and he told his mom, I want to be homeschooled. <laughs> That's <laughs> he so cute. Be, yeah. Totally fits in with, with your, your friend's story. It's that you really don't spend much time. The kids don't spend as much time as you think really being educated. And then when you factor in that at home, they are getting more of a one-on-one education. And so you can get so much more accomplished in a shorter amount of time. I mean, I normally will tell people that for, for a kindergarten, you know, it's like at most an hour and then really first grade, you know, each grade you add an hour, if that, but once they get into high school, back to that story of the parents wanting the kids to have this firm schedule, I would tell them if your kids want to do all of their math in one day, let them, they get into that flow and they get excited about what they're learning. Why would you stop them? <laughs> you know? Yeah, exa- exactly. Why would you stop them? Why would you stop yeah. them? Exactly. And and oftentimes, oftentimes with our students, I have to be like, oh, like guys, like time is up. Like I'll see you next session, right? Or <laughs> yeah. because they don't they don't necessarily don't notice the time. Like oh, session session's over already, right? Because when they're learning something, when they're involved in doing either independent activities or group activities with things that they are excited about and projects that they are working on. And that's a really big thing I find is when you give a child a project, they're much more excited than if you were to just sit there and teach them the information or sit there. And I won't even say teach, sit there and tell them the information, right. Rather than turning around and, and saying, okay, let's, let's go find the answer to that. Right. Sometimes a very simple example of this um, would be if a student asks me a question or a student asks one of my teachers a question. Most of the time, then the student being of appropriate age, of course, right? Most of the time we'll turn around and we'll say, well, what do you think? Well, I, it, and if the student should say, well, I don't know, that's why I'm asking you, it, the, the answer is then, okay, well, how do we find that information, Right. We make it very clear to all of our students that we do not expect you to know everything. We do not expect you to know everything. What we do expect you to do is be able to find that information, enter a conversation about online reliable sources, et cetera, et cetera, which is another thing about digital learning. That's a whole other conversation, right? But making sure that, that students are able to actually think through processes and think through things rather than just immediately getting an answer and just filing it in the storage cabinet where they're probably going to forget about it. Right. It's what do, what do you think, right? And you can do that when you're homeschooling, when you are personalizing education. You can't do that in a classroom of 30 because you can't treat all 30 kids that way. You don't have enough time. Yeah. Yeah. No, there is so many limitations to the traditional Mm -hmm. education system. And there are so many amazing, amazing teachers out there who are doing their best to educate these kids. I, I always, I mean, I have a whole family of public school educators and I am in awe of them. One of my sisters is, you know, she has won awards. She is such an amazing teacher and it's just, what she's able to accomplish 
just in terms of classroom management Mm -hmm. is incredible. I mean, she'll have like 35 kids and like seven of them are have sometimes she'll have a couple of aides because I mean there I you know these students have such high disabilities that they need individualized attention but that means you know more things that she has to do I mean it's just it's incredible what these teachers have to put up with and they still accomplish so much for their students but yet as homeschoolers we don't have those limitations and we have so much more flexibility and it's I mean I don't know about you but I am so grateful I am a rebel and I have people I know that are rebels like you because really with the world the way it is now we really need more of the us rebels (laughs) to um kind of turn things around because the world in the future, it's not going to look anything like what we have right now. Just with AI. Got that right. Yeah. Just with everything that's happening with AI, uh, the different things that are going on in the world, we have no clue what our kids are going to be up against. And we need to teach them how to think because the what is going to be changing. And if if we just teach them the what, it's going to be outmoded and outdated and they're going to be just floundering and the world will be floundering with them. I, I really feel like the homeschooler is going to rule the world. <laughs> oh, I know they're... they are. They're yes. already taking over. Listen, I got the next prime minister sitting over here in my stash here. That's why I just, <laughs> this is why we protect student confidentiality. I'm telling you, I got the next student prime minister sitting over here in my, in our homeschooling program. This child is going places, let me tell you. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. I had a student several years ago, and he was determined to become the next, well, not the next, but the president of the United States eventually. And I'm like, yes, be sure and look me up. I will go door to door to get you elected. I tease, I tease the students all the time. I'm like, now listen, don't forget about me when you're famous. Okay. Like when you're prime minister, don't forget about your teacher. And, and the student says to me, no, don't worry, Miss Kimberly. I won't be the first person I look up. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what, you know what her first thing is that she wants to change the student. She says the education system is the first thing she wants to change. Yeah. All for it. All for it. That's awesome. She'll probably name you education secretary or, or whatever. I don't need, (laughs) I don't need accolades. If we, as a whole of human society can change the ways that we raise our children so that our children are better prepared for the future, that's something that would be a great thing going into any new year, new month, a new generation. That would be a great way to set ourselves up for a successful future is to be able to help our kids prepare themselves so that they're capable of taking on whatever comes their way. Yeah, that is an amazing legacy. So I agree. I agree. Well, oh my goodness, Kimberly, our time is up, but I am so grateful that you've been here today to share your genius and You have a presentation coming up in our 2024 Realizing Genius Homeschool Conference. So that is going to be free for everybody, um, February 22nd through 27th. So everybody everybody be sure and check that out. 
you can register for that at realizinggenius.com. There is also going to be an upgrade where you can get the recording so that you can see it after that if you'd like. But definitely check out Kimberly's presentation. It's amazing. So thanks oh, well, again, thank Kimberly. You. Thank you, Heidi. It was a pleasure to be able to chat with you. I really, I'm really honored that we were able to talk. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the Realizing Genius podcast. Head over to realizinggenius.com forward slash podcast for all the show notes and links and to share your ideas of anyone you would like to have me interview. Have a wonderful week realizing your genius.